Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. And we are so honored. I am so blessed to have somebody that's willing to to go the extra mile for this channel. Millennial Mike, once again, is going through all the comments and pulling out the juicy ones uh, so we can get my honest reaction. So, Mr. Mike, over to you. Yeah, so we're going to do what we always do, which is I scour through the comments section looking for the most spicy ones I can find, or hopefully maybe we can just find a couple of good comments, yeah. you know, genuine questions that people have, not hate. I think we actually have a majority of those today. Before we get started, I do want to highlight the one video this week that I think was the most impactful you did, the five key takeaways from the managing your own rentals oh. that you did with Dion and Matt. That video needs to go on the course. It was a great video and everybody should watch it. I will do that. All right, so what we've got right here for our questions. So the real estate market isn't cooling off, according to this guy. Matt Bob says, I'm getting outbid more than when rates were in the twos. What the hell is going on? Also, there's much less inventory. Yeah, so again, this is really the fact um, all real estate is local, right? I can talk Fresno or national numbers. And this is this is really a battle for me because I can I can get 10 comments exactly opposite of that. Right. More inventory, this, that, the other. So, folks, again, one rental at a time is what focus, a.k.a. buy box, daily discipline, tracking, learn average, only write great offers. Uh, so for this gentleman, um, congratulations. It sounds like you're doing the work. It also sounds like you've been doing the work for a while. So kudos. Second, I'm sorry. I don't know your market, maybe lots of population. I have no idea. You pro- you should probably know the answer to why are you getting outbid today? I'm going to guess, because again, I have no idea what market he's in. It's got to be migration. It has to be migration. He must be in a market where people from New York, California, wherever it is, are moving there. It's one of the only explanations I could think of uh, why that would happen. But again, just keep at it. Uh, the market is slowing down. Um, you know, rates, buyers, suppliers, FOMO. It's the real estate market is slowing down. It may be, it may not feel it when you're getting outbid today more than when rates are in the two, but the, but the market is changing in worst case. Um, don't, you know, don't chase, don't, don't get frustrated. Just keep disciplined and do the work. So I'd tell the guy, congratulations. Um, I would ask him if that, if that was like a coaching call, I would simply ask, well, why do you think that is? Because I have no idea. I'm not in his market. But if you really are doing the work, you probably would be able to tell me, hey, we just got so-and-so employer that came here. You know, so you were getting a thousand U-Haul trucks a day. There's probably a story there. Um, but yeah, you know, I want to tell him congrats. You're doing the work. That's awesome. Yeah. And remember, if you're getting out bid, that's a good thing. Because it means yeah, that exactly. you're, you've det- learned how to detect value and other people are also detecting it. So you're looking at the right stuff if you're losing out to other people. Yeah, like it. Okay, so you got this one emailed to you. And T asks, he goes, my wife and I are full-time employees. I'm a police officer. She's an EMT. We're looking to invest in our first property. We've got about 70000 saved up. Can we get your advice 
We've identified single family homes as our first beginner investment property with a goal of moving on to a duplex or fourplex later. What is your advice to them on how to get started? Again, um, I really go back to your story, right? This, this is, this, this one really should be your answer, right? I'm not even going to answer it. (laughs) You're a police officer. You should answer this question. What would you do? You got a brother in arms. Yeah. His wife is in essentially the same profession. These people put their lives on the line. They've scrounged, they've saved $70,000. I, I have an answer and I will give it, but I'm going to put you on the spot. You're a police officer. What the hell would you tell them to do? Go on. So, so the, the first thing I would say, I don't necessarily know if it matters whether you're a cop or not, because um, let me tell you this. If you buy the single family home first and then your plan is to buy a duplex or fourplex later, it's going to be very tough to convince your wife to move into a smaller house with neighbors. It's going to be very tough. You're probably going to lose that battle given by all the conversations I've had with anyone. However, if you get to that duplex or fourplex first, not only are you setting yourself up to start establishing rental income on your tax returns, which can help you qualify for uh, loans easier down the road. Um, and Matt, Matt talks about, Lumberjack talks about 4321 strategy. Don't jump too far ahead just because you worked so hard for that 70 grand. You worked, it's hard to get it in our profession. I'm sure you and your wife pulled a lot of overtime shifts. I've done it too. Keep pushing a little bit longer. Go to the duplex first or the fourplex first and then do the single family home. You will thank me a year or two from now. Mike? No, that's exactly what I was hoping you were going to say. The answer, again, you may not like to hear this. The answer is house hack. There's a deep dive playlist on my channel where we talk. I'm not necessarily talking roommates, right? Roommates work when you're single. I get it. But let's do it. And oh, by the way, I'm going to ask you to think bigger. Go get a fourplex. Your, your, go get a fourplex. Your life will change. Your financial life will change in two or three years. Don't do the single family home first. Because A, it will be harder to step out into a duplex because financing will change. Go buy a fourplex. Fourplex is the answer. So this is house hack. You change. You could be done in ten years. You don't have to do your twenty. Fourplex is the right answer. House hack. Fourplex all day long. Agreed. Yeah, done in ten years. That's exactly what I'm aiming for. I should be out by thirty-five. I started at twenty-five. Already. <laughs> okay, so Lance Whitaker has a great question, kind of a conceptual question. He says he's confused about how the bond market influences interest rates. How do rates drop in spite of the Fed just raising rate hikes? And he wants to know what he should read or watch to better understand the bond market interest rates and yield curves. Yeah, so there is a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I've been, um, what's going on today is there'll be history books or economic books written about. So you're not, um, you're not, you're right. This is weird, right? The, the mm-hmm. fed raises, uh, the funds rate, which is an overnight lending rate, uh, 1.5%, two seventy five point raises and mortgage rates go down. That's not supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we live in a worldwide economy where the U S dollar is still the reserve currency of the world. Uh, it is very likely that we may have the third or fourth worldwide recession uh, occur in the next year or so. And what happens in times of uncertainty is you have people rush to safety. And whether we like it or not, safety is the 10-year treasury. It's the default answer. And when the rest of the world is slowing down, look at China, look at Europe, uh, we are now having foreign governments buy U.S. treasuries. That's what's happening, right? The Fed funds rate moves an overnight lending rate. Overnight lending rate impacts the early part of the curve banks 
you know, use that, then that influences the 10 year, the 10 year influences mortgage rates. It's kind of a, the fed doesn't set mortgage rates. It influences them. It sets, you know, and then banks can add margin and all of that. But really what we have now is we have the federal reserve saying the front end has to go up. And what you have is the rest of the world, insurance companies, all this going, you know what, I'm going to take a certain certainty into 2.7, 2.8 treasury. It's just a weird time. And that's why you have what is called yield curve inversion. What is yield curve inversion? That is when you can borrow money long, cheaper than you could borrow short. That's not supposed to happen. That's not a sign of a healthy economy. Ask yourself, would you lend money to someone for two years? Um, or would you lend money to somebody for 10 years for less than you would two years? The answer is no, hell no. But that's what's happening today. And it's all fear. It's all rushed to safety. We have a unique advantage in the United States with the dollar being the reserve currency of the world. There are clearly countries trying to take that away, China and Russia and others. But as of today, we are the reserve currency. And that just means some wacky stuff can happen uh, in a worldwide you know, slowdown. Right. Yeah. And so to his final point was, how do I better understand the markets? I mean, realistically, you kind of just have to watch videos like these. And I mean, shy of going to college for economics like Mike did, you're going to just kind of have to get the YouTube uh, university education version of it. Just watch videos, maybe read the paper. There you go. <laughs> okay. Um, now, here's a great question from Real Spirit. He says, what if all of these jobs people are working, more products get produced, and then supply increases? Wouldn't that eventually slow inflation? So his question is related to, mm -hmm. okay, if we have supply chain shortages, we don't have enough, we're having a, a higher demand, bring the prices up. What if more people working creates more products? What's that going to do to inflation? Yeah, so I mean, uh, again, I, I love I love people are asking nuanced questions. That means they're really paying attention to what's going on. So shout out the audience for that. Um, but again, I'm going to give a nuanced answer. So when you look at the jobs number from last week, right, the blowout number, 528,000 or whatever, we're not adding jobs in people making stuff. 80% of the jobs that were added roughly were in what's called the service industry. And that's what I've been calling for all summer is we were going to see a rollover and in, in, in see service increases. That's not stuff. That's experiences. And that's really where the job creation is coming from the last couple of months. So your, your question is valid, but it's not actually happening. The majority of job creation the last six months or so has been in services. And the problem with that is um, the only way you get more people is you pay more wages. And we get this you know, the core inflation rate is sticky. Again, we got a five, nine today in core today. Didn't, it didn't go up, didn't go down. It stayed flat month on month, but we have a, we have a problem with wages. Wages are going to be sticky. Uh, the only way to, the only way to hire people in services is to pay more and people are going to get, you know, higher and higher salaries, which probably means inflation sticks around longer. So uh, the question is nuanced correctly. It's just not occurring. We're getting a services based rebound in jobs. Yeah. And, uh, Let's see here. Uh, Brian Kitchens asks, he goes, I've heard that you've mentioned stock buybacks as being something irresponsible that companies do. It's bad for business and the economy. This is according to you. But he says, can you talk about how inflated corporate salaries factor in? Is that equally irresponsible or affecting what's going on? Uh, so I think what he's basically pointing at is Elizabeth Warren's constant battle about CEOs making, you know, 100,000 times X. Um, what the average employee makes. Um, you know, again, if you're the best of the best CEO, I, I, again, for me, it always goes back to sports. 
Is it is it ridiculous that Steph Curry makes two hundred fifty thousand or two hundred fifty million or whatever the hell his contract is? Yeah, he's he gets paid because he's one human alive that can do what he does. Mm-hmm. There are some CEOs that are worth um, what they're getting paid. I will agree with you; most aren't, but that's why the board is supposed to do what they do. Uh, I actually hate buybacks specifically because it allows bad CEOs to influence personal comp plans that make them rich. It drives me crazy. I hate how companies can take capital or profit, buy stock, reduce their float, make their stock go up, which means their CEOs make more money. I think there are horrible CEOs playing accounting games in getting rich. I have no problem with Steph Curry making what he makes. No problem at all. I have no problem with the CEOs who are the true Steph Currys of the world making what they make. I have a problem when you have some bum off the street, fake BS numbers on a balance sheet and income statement and get rewarded. That shit drives me crazy. And that's what I think happens with stock buyback. Yeah. And I think uh, to this questioner's uh, point, you know, you watch a video like, the big short, it's a little difficult to not get angry at some of these people at the top who bend and break the rules and cheat. And so if you, you know, if you live in a world where all you do is focus in on what the 1% are doing, you don't like, you're going to hate them. But there are some people out there who are doing some pretty cool things. Mm-hmm. Um, one more question on the jobs, uh, jobs report, job sector, company behavior. Doug Thorpe says, hey, Michael, I keep hearing about all of these layoffs with different companies, but yet we just had over 500,000 in jobs added. What am I missing? Yeah. So again, layoffs are very splashy. They make the news. But again, I've lived through several bear markets, including the dot-com crash. We have seen nothing yet. We're seeing layoffs of 100 people, right? That's nothing. Let's talk about when Walmart had a layoff. It was front page news. They laid off 200 people. Walmart is the largest employer on the freaking planet. They laid off 200 people. And that makes front page news. It sucks for those 200. Let's not get it twisted. It could have been 20,000. Yeah. So that's what I live. We, we, you know, a lot of people, you know, a thousand here, a thousand there, more, more, more of an issue is freeze on hiring. That's, that's, that's a thing too. Uh, So what I would tell you is layoffs have not been a part of the story for a decade. Uh, So any layoff gets front page news. These are, these are nothing. When you're talking about 200 at the size of Walmart, that's a joke. That's just a joke. But it's front page news because it's Walmart. So we ain't seen nothing yet. Bad news sells. So if, you know, like I would say, if it bleeds, it leads. Let me tell you, someone who works in law enforcement, I respond to a lot of awful, horrific incidents and crashes. And guess who's there? You've got the the helicopters flying around up top. You've got news that are just coming out of the woodwork trying to get their story in. They want bad news because they know you're going to watch it. So be very wary of when you read these titles, because like Mike said, you actually, it's your job as a professional investor, as as an individual who's supposed to be smarter than others. That's why you watch this channel. It's your job to dig deeper, look below the surface level, look after the title. What does it really mean when you put it into perspective? Okay, a couple questions. So there was a big shakeup. In crypto news, crypto brokerage Coinbase has been hit hard by the meltdown in Bitcoin prices this year. Stock plunged 65%. But a partnership with Wall Street giant BlackRock, which had about $10 trillion in assets under management at the end of last year, might save the day. Cavitor Dem asks, what do you think about the BlackRock Coinbase merger? Uh, I think it's validation 
that it's validation that the big boys um, are still interested. You know, I think, I think, frankly, I think BlackRock, again, what's BlackRock's jobs to make money? I think they, they deal with the 1% or probably even the 1% of the 1%. And uh, they want it, they want to get some exposure. I think this is also a sign. It, really what it is, is a sign to me uh, that BlackRock thinks regulations coming to crypto and BlackRock sees regulation as net positive and thus Bitcoin or Ethereum or the big ones will, will do okay. And frankly, a lot of the shit coins will go away, uh, which is net positive for crypto. So what I think Blackstone or BlackRock is doing in this case is getting ahead of the curve. Again, I think what this, because again, Blackstone has got their claws into government, like very few, if, if any. And I think this is just a sign that regulation's coming. Regulation is net positive because the good will move forward and the bad will die. So that's what I think is happening. I think it's, I think it's net positive for crypto. And if it's net positive for crypto, it's probably net positive for Coinbase. And oh, by the way, if Coinbase goes to zero, Blackstone could buy them they, or BlackRock could buy them. You know, there's a lot of other exits. So I think it's net positive for Coinbase. I don't know how it's a negative. So I think it's net positive. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think like you said, it definitely added, adds legitimacy to cryptocurrency. As someone who I'm a fan of Bitcoin, I've studied, read multiple books, studied cryptocurrency. The technology is solid. If you understand what the technology behind blockchain will do for our society moving forward and what NFTs will do beyond just being pictures of bored apes, if you understand what happens next with the technology, you'll understand why they're buying it. They're placing their bet. They're making their wager. And there's that famous saying, it says, don't bet against the Fed. Well, any company that owns 10 trillion in assets, I might not want to bet against them either because they're probably pretty smart. Yeah, I, I agree. Well said. We got one final question for you. And this is just a rapid fire question from Journal Diaz. And he goes, what data compromises core inflation? There's a lot of talk back and forth about, well, people have pulled out energy, food, moved things in and out. We don't calculate inflation the same way we used to. So what compromises today's version of core inflation? Yeah, so it's probably easier to start a headline, right? So headline is everything in the U.S. economy uh, that, that impacts consumers. What you strip out of headline is energy and food. Hence, everything else is core. Uh, that means the biggest components of core is rent or rent equivalent. It's about 33%. But that is going to include food. It's going to include airlines. It's going to include um, you know, car rentals. It's everything else but food and energy is, is what is part of core. What has happened over time is they've adjusted ratios. Uh, the basket of goods in core hasn't changed. right? They've always X'd food, X'd energy. Ratios have changed as consumer behavior has changed. Uh, but yeah, core. And the reason core is important is uh, that's what the Fed really looks at, right? Because as we've seen, energy and food is very volatile. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a, a reading today where headline went down to 8.5, but core did not move up or down. Uh, so the Fed still has work to do. But um, yeah, core is everything X food, X energy. Well, those were all the questions we had. Other than this, we did have some people ask our opinion on some videos. So we'll be doing separate videos to react to that. But Mike, that's all we got this week. Yeah, man. I it's It means a lot to me personally that you're willing to do this each week. Uh, I know the audience really enjoys this. Mike, where can people find you? Just Google or YouTube Millennial Mike or on Instagram. You'll find me there. You'll find me here. You'll find me inside of your course. So I'm just kind of lounging about all over the place, honestly. <laughs> Come on. When you look at Mike, do you really get lounging? I don't get lounging. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right. Thanks, buddy.